bring the message morning, I want you to watch this. And this is basically kids telling the Christmas story from the Bible, but adults are acting it out. I think you'll enjoy this. to see Ma Mary. She was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have, what? I can't, I can't say good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. I, you're going to have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. <laughs> I don't know. A camel. Oh, yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. Well, they tried to go to a hotel, and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms, literally no rooms. So Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple. And then he just pointed the way, and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, then they saw angels. The angels said, a new baby is getting born who is king of the Jews. The angel were singing. And then the shepherd said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wise men heard about it. And then a star appeared. We should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, to have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold, ring, and Latimer. And I don't know how it would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby I ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. All right. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> okay, that's good stuff, isn't it? I love that. There's a church in, I believe it's in Lexington, Kentucky, Southland Christian Church that puts those together, and they do a great job with that. Um, well, as we read um, the Bible story, as we read the Bible, we see that God 
um, made humans. He made us to have relationship with him, with our creator. That's why we were made, and sometimes I think we, we lose sight of that. And so Advent, Christmas reminds us that that's what God made us for, and we need to be reminded from the very beginning as Jesus came into the world. But we also know that since Adam and Eve, all humans have pursued something different than that relationship with God. Yeah, we, we kind of wanted relationship with God, but we still wanted our independence and being able to do what we wanted. And generation after generation has sought after meaning in life in their own ways, kind of apart from God. Say, God, I, I know you created me, and I know you know all this, but, but I know better. And that's kind of how Adam and Eve started. In generation after generation, we do that as well. Uh, we try to find meaning in our own power, our own popularity, our own performance, thinking that will give us meaning in our lives. But somehow, uh, through all of that, we think that even sometimes human rulers, human governments, military power, political power, and we know the crazy stuff that's going on, not only in our own country, but all over the world. We think if we can just get the right government and the right president and the right leader in place, everything will be okay but we look at history and we see time and time again that power, prestige has corrupted even the most well-intentioned leaders and kingdoms over history hasn't. Not just in the Bible, but as you've been in history class, you realize that that kind of power corrupts leaders. And they don't take care of all the world's problems. They can't because they are human. Humanity could not, humanity cannot save itself from itself. We can't do it on our own power. That's why we celebrate Advent and Christmas. Jesus had to come. Even today, we think somehow, if history will go on long enough, we'll finally start getting all the bad people out and all the good people will be in and everything will be this wonderful peace on earth. But it's not happened yet. Somehow through technology, th somehow through reason and science, we will save ourselves. But we can't. We're human. We can't do that. The world needed a Savior. The world needs a Savior, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And that's the message of Advent. But that goes against the grain of what we kind of believe as, as humans and our, our inner pride. We like to pick ourselves up, don't we? We like to fix things on our own. I can do this. I don't need anybody to help me. I can do this on my own. So some of the deepest-seated problems we have, we don't want anybody to know about those. We'll figure it out. I can do this. I'll, I'll, get a, I'll get a hold of this eventually. And so we try to hide it. Or it goes against even some of the arrogant belief I, I, I sense in our culture so many times that we don't really need a Savior. I don't really need a Savior. I mean, yeah, I do some bad things sometimes, but they're not that bad. There's no reason that Jesus would need to die. No one needed to die for this few you know, little sins that I did. And that's where we miss the point of what a holy and righteous and just God he is. That yes, when we hurt ourselves, when we are selfish and hurt other people, it not only hurts other people and ourselves, but it hurts the God who created all of us. And we separate ourselves from God when we do that. And he can't be a part of that until he can restore us. And that was what he always intended. Advent reminds us that we need the arrival of God back in our lives. And I hope at Christmas and Advent, we kind of are reminded of that as we think about Jesus coming to the, to the earth as one of us, born inside a, a mom just like we were, 
We need to be reminded of that. And in the beginning, we, through Adam and Eve, believed the deception of Satan. We believed his lies that we didn't really need God. He's just trying to control us and manipulate us. And we can know better and we can do better on our own. We don't really need God. And even after that, and they were booted out of the Garden of Eden, and they realized, man, we had it really good, and we believed that deception, and we tried to go on our own, and immediately we knew there was something separated from God. We felt that nakedness, that, that, uh, that you know, away from God. I knew there was something wrong. I'm hiding. Here comes Mom and Dad. I've got to hide. I've done something wrong. They immediately felt that. And he goes, where are you? Why are you hiding? You ate from the tree, didn't you? You believed that, didn't you? Now we're separated. And then even after that, God tried to raise up a nation of people through Abraham. We talked a little bit about that last week who would be chosen to reflect what a relationship with God, what fellowship with God was all about in a whole nation. And God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And the rest of the world will see what a relationship with me is all about through you, how you show that to the rest of the world. But they couldn't keep that covenant, could they? They were always distracted by other countries and other lands and, and wanted to worship their gods. They always wanted something more than that that relationship with God, and they always separated themselves. And then he gave them leaders, he gave them judges, he gave them prophets who were spokespeople for God and tell them what God wanted, but that wasn't enough. They go, we want a king like all the other people have. And God says, you don't need a king, you have the creator of the universe. Why do you need an earthly king? But we want a king, and God says, okay, finally, you can have a king. And king after king after king, inevitably, they would fail in saving themselves, not only from other countries and enemies, but ultimately the real problem, and that was separation from God through sin. And again, Advent, the arrival of Jesus, God in the flesh, reminds us that we need God back in our lives more than ever, like He always intended. But God came in the flesh in a way that we never intended. We talked about this in the first service, that if we had said, hey, you've got a script and you've got to bring the Savior of the world into the world, how would you do that? And I would think about, man, we'd have to make this big, big, big. There's got to be bigness so that everybody in the world will know that the Savior's in the world. I wouldn't have done it like God did it. Very humbly, very secluded with Mary and Joseph, this peasant couple in Bethlehem in this part of the world that nobody really cared much about. But that's the way God did it. He did it His way. So ultimately, Advent is the arrival of Jesus into the world to give us hope and open the way for our ultimate destination. Ultimately, our destination, y'all, is not here on this earth. There's a lot of good things that God has given us on this earth to enjoy. But ultimately, that's not what our final destination is. Our final destination is in heaven eternally with God, with the true fellowship that he always wanted from the very beginning. And I think we miss this sometimes. This world, our lives here on this earth, this is not the ultimate destination. Now, some of us get on our phones and get on our computers and we look at all this cool stuff that's all over the world that other people are doing, places and things and activities and events that we can go to and we're looking forward to that. And there's nothing wrong with those things. I believe God gives us those things to enjoy in life, but that is not our ultimate destination. But we live like it is. We live like there's something better than having a relationship with God. And we fight hard and ignore and avoid our ultimate destination and try to stay in this human tent. Paul talks about our body is a human tent. 
that's just a, a destination. It's not our ultimate home that we're going to, but we try to hold on to this and as long as we possibly can. And you see all the commercials. How many of y'all see these commercials? There's always somebody telling us if we take this supplement, we will look younger. Have y'all seen this one? <laughs> Have y'all seen this one where the guy, there's this stuff and you rub it under your eyes if you've got baggy eyes and wrinkles. And if you just, you know, they have the elapsed time and in four minutes, it's like, oh my gosh, that man's wrinkles are gone. I got to get some of that stuff. I'm going to rub that greasy stuff all over me, you know? I mean, we, we, we listen to that stuff and we laugh. But you know, they're making millions of dollars out of these supplements that may or may not work because people want to stay here in this human tent and on this earth as long as we can. And then when someone dies, we fall apart. Many people do. As if this, what is here on earth, is our ultimate destination, but it's not. Now, I know when I do funerals, when you've been to funerals, you can tell a stark difference between somebody who was a believer and knows their ultimate destination and someone who's not sure. Have you ever been to an awkward funeral like that? I have. I've done them. But when I go to a funeral where someone did know Jesus, that did know that this life was given to me, and it was wonderful, but I know I'm passing on to the life where I will have eternal destination and fellowship with God, that's the ultimate destination, not just here and now. This is just a journey. But Jesus came to show us that our life as humans, is ultimately not all about the stuff we worry about, all the stuff that we pursue in eating and drinking and what we will wear. He talks about that in Matthew. Why do you worry about all this stuff? And as we go into Christmas, I was out shopping yesterday, and I saw lots of people. And were they worried about Christmas? Yes, they were. They looked like me. Oh, what am I going to get? It's, oh, that's too much. This is not enough. And we worry about all these things. Did I get, enough, did I get the right present? Did I get enough presents? Is somebody going to give me a present that I didn't get them one? So do you all have that little stash just in case? You buy a couple of extra things like a candle. Everybody's nodding your head. You know you do it. Just in case somebody gives you something, a gift card, just in case. Oh, yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas, you know, just in case. And we worry about all this stuff. And I'm not saying we shouldn't and we shouldn't enjoy Christmas, but we get so worried about what people think and how this looks and all that kind of things that we miss what really is ultimately about life is just enjoying the company and the fellowship of people for who they are, where they are. And Jesus came as to show that ultimately it's about his kingdom and his righteousness. Do we really understand that? Jesus taught. He said, don't worry about all that stuff, but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And God does have a kingdom. He is righteous. And I know that's maybe an archaic word. Nobody, well, I don't want to be known as a righteous guy. That's kind of like a nerd. Everybody's a goody-goody. I don't want to be that. But no, he says, that's what you are to pursue while you're waiting to get to your ultimate destination. That's where our lives should be headed towards our ultimate destination, true fellowship and relationship eternally in the presence of God, the Creator. Even Jesus' closest disciples, they didn't quite get this. They kept thinking that, now we know who Jesus is. He has to be from God. Nobody could heal like he could. Nobody could do the miracles that he could do, walk on water, you know, calm the, the storm, raise people from the dead. Nobody could do those things if they weren't from God. But now we're his disciples and we're surrounded him and we're, we're tight with him. He's ultimately going to do something big on this earth and he's going to be in charge. And it's going to be big and it's going to be great. And we're going to be all around him and then we're going to be the big shots. And it never got there. And they, Jesus was talking about death and dying and being 
a servant to all and being the least and the last. And they go, well, wait a minute, that's not what we signed up for, Jesus. And Jesus had to tell them over and over again, it's not what you think. We've tried that route. Don't you remember the Old Testament? Don't you remember the Old Covenant? That didn't work. And God knew it wouldn't work. He had a plan for this all along, and I am the plan. But my plan is to die and resurrect again, and then you will be empowered by my Spirit to change the world until your ultimate destination. They didn't quite get it, but ultimately they started after Jesus' crucifixion, <coughs> excuse me, after his resurrection and after his ascension, they realized we will be empowered with this thing called the Holy Spirit and we will be able to live out the hope of their ultimate destination. And then they were able, when they finally received that Holy Spirit and finally understood what Jesus' ultimate kingdom was really about, it wasn't about controlling in a political or military way, but the hearts of men and women throughout eternity. And so they were able to share the gospel message according to that hope and live out according to that hope. One of Jesus' closest disciples, John, he finally got this. And he was able to write a gospel account of Jesus' life. And it's very different than the other three, but it's very poignant about love and why God ultimately came into the world to bring us that, that love. And so John also spent his last days of life in a, on an island prison called Patmos. And he wrote another, uh, re, he got a revelation from God. It's the last book of the Bible called Revelation. And God uh, shared with him what would come ultimately that God had in store for us. And so listen to how John describes this in the 21st chapter of Revelation. I think that's going to be up on the screen, if we can get that in just a minute. So even in prison, God is revealing something to him. Listen to what John says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. God is revealing this to John. Does that not sound good? Every tear will be wiped away. There's no more mourning. There's no more pain. The old order. Now, I love my life, and, and, and I love living, but I'm telling you, in the last couple of weeks, I've seen some really tough things, not to me personally, but watching people go through it, and I just scratch my head, and I go, this can't be all there is. I've seen people watch loved ones die and suffer, and I go, there, this can't be all there is, and now this time of year, when we remember that Jesus came into the world as that beginning, he's reminding us, and he reveals uh, to John this, that this is, that isn't the end. This is an imperfect fallen world. And over in chapter 22, listen to what John continues. No longer will there be any curse. Will you be glad when there's no more curse on us? Do you ever feel that sometimes? There's a curse on us? Because there is. Yeah, we brought it on ourselves, but there is a curse. But he says there will be no more curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him. I want to stop right there for a minute. This Tuesday, and we talk a lot about serving in the church, don't we? That's important to serve one another. We feel a sense of, you know, that feels really good when I serve somebody else. Not because I have to, but because I want to. And I see the effects of how that service changes someone's life. 
and their outlook on life. But we, this Tuesday, we had a lot of volunteers here at the church from very early in the morning till late in the afternoon. And we had through Christmas in Coweta. And all these people were doing all these things from sitting with people and just visiting with them. And they were eating cookies and drinking coffee and whatever else we had around here, hot chocolate. And they were giving gifts to these families. And you could just see how serving was so important and meant so much. And I would say, hey, thanks for being here all day and serving. Oh, man, I loved it. This was great. That's what it's going to be like. And so John is saying... It will be like that. Servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the, listen to this, they will not need the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light. Can you imagine just being in God's presence? It's like this bright, it's brighter, not brighter than the sun. And that's what John is saying it's going to be like. And they will reign forever and ever. Now I know Revelation scares people sometimes because it's weird. There's, there's, there's stuff in there that you can't, but it's coded. It's in language. And if we can kind of uncover that and realize he's telling us what ultimately is going to happen, that he's always planned. This is a glimpse of what our ultimate destination will look like. We can't achieve it on our own, y'all. No matter how smart we get, no matter how much we figure out through technology and science and reason, we can't achieve what John is describing ultimately our destination and experience. We only experience that as we accept and embrace not only the birth of Jesus, but his life and his death and ultimately his resurrection. Our life here and now is just is like a journey. It's a journey of discovery. We're discovering what God's kingdom is all about. We will experience the highs and lows of a fallen world, don't we? We see it all the time. But Advent reminds us that this fallen world will ultimately be resurrected into a new heaven and a new earth that we just read about because the Savior has come into the world. And listen, y'all, do not miss this. He is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And the next time he comes, if you want to know about that, you can read in the Gospels. You can also read in Revelation. When he comes, it's not going to be in humility as a baby. It's going to be in a way that there's going to be no doubt we missed it. There's going to be no doubt that what everybody said about, oh, he was just a good teacher and he taught some great things, but he really wasn't the son of God. They're going to know because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord of the universe. And we should look forward to that. Don't be scared about that. Some of y'all seem a little scared this morning. You should be reverent and, yeah, it's a good fear. It's a fear of someone that loves me so much that he didn't go to the trouble to come to this earth and put on flesh and die on a cross and resurrect again just to walk away and go, good luck with that thing called life. Hope it works out for you. No, I'm coming back and I will restore everything to the way God always intended. That's the good news of the gospel, the ultimate good news. And we can't just really be a follower of Jesus if we miss that. We can't. We can't just be sentimental about Jesus and his birth. And say, oh, wasn't that sweet? Wasn't that a great story? We must be transformed by his life and his death and his resurrection, which allows us to reach our ultimate destination. And until we do, we have to live out that hope that God has made available to us through Jesus. And people need to see that in our lives, y'all. They need to see that we have that hope. I read an article this week um, by a, uh, an Episcopal priest. And he writes this article, and he actually... Uh, preached a sermon about uh, something, an Advent sermon in the Church of the Advent in Boston, Massachusetts. I thought that was interesting. But listen to what he says. He says, God came to earth, not the other way around. We didn't go to heaven seeking God. 
because we can in our humanness. No, God came to earth because that's what we needed. His movement, His purpose, His promise was fulfilled. God's work, not ours. We could not and cannot accomplish this with all of our learning and all of our achievements in our own lives. Only God can do it. And in the writings of the Bible, it's always a threat to those who think well of human potential and that we can do it on our own. Our default position since the day of Adam and Eve is to think that we can put all of this project off by ourselves. We can pull it all together ourselves. Advent, however, begins in the dark where human prospects and human hopes are confounded. As Isaiah writes, the people walked in the darkness have seen a great what? Light. They've seen a great light. And at this point, some question... Uh, some question always arises. So, what is there for us to do? If God's going to perform all of this, if He's going to perform this rescue, what role is there for me to play? What role is there for you to play? This is a perpetual complaint of human nature. Again, we want the credit. We push back perpetually at the idea of God's grace being free, gratuitous, and complete in itself without reference to our contributions. If that is indeed the gospel that lies at the heart of the miracle of Christmas, what then should we be doing in the Advent darkness? So he's asking a really great question. What do we do? If that's really what Jesus came, what are we supposed to do? So he, he tells this story that's very interesting. He says, three years to the day after the 2015 terrorist attacks in Paris. Y'all remember this? I believe it was during a concert. 130 people were killed and nearly 500 were wounded. Y'all remember that in 2015. And so uh, three years later, the city gathered for this somber memorial ceremony to, to remember this. And two American newspaper reporters collected testimonies from those who sought to process their rage and their grief through the arts. And the article focuses on one project in particular. It was a documentary film by two brothers, and I'm going to butcher their names, but it was Jules and Gideon Nade, born in France, but were living in New York. And interestingly enough, these two brothers were the two brothers that just so happened to be doing a documentary on 9-11 back in 2001. And they were the ones, and you know that first plane that went into the tower, and you could see it very clearly by somebody that was videoing? That was them. They were doing this. They made a documentary afterwards about it. And But their more recent, um, their documentary about 9-11 is obviously probably something we've all seen. It's very, it's a classic. It's shown streaming in a museum in New York. And their more recent documentary is called November 13th, Attack on Paris. But during an interview about that experience of the making of this, this Paris documentary, one of the brothers said that they wanted to do it very different than they did the one from, from 9-11. The brothers explained that instead of focusing on the bombing, the carnage, the horror, and the destruction, they sought out this time the survivors of all that horror and carnage and destruction. And this time, they said, they wanted to recreate the effects of the attacks by being inside of the heads of the people that were there and survived. So they interviewed some of these people, and they said, we were surprised at what we got as we talked to these people. He says, in their words, you'll see the connection to the Advent message and to our human responses. We live in the faith and the hope. This is what one of the brothers said. None of the survivors that we talked to, and we talked to a lot, talked about hatred or revenge or killing. They said, you have a choice. You go the dark way or you go the way with the light. That's what they got. And I'm going, wow. If I had experienced that horror and survived and saw one of my best friends or, or a family member get killed by a crazed person that just wanted to murder people, 
I think I'd still have rage, wouldn't you? I'd still have this bitterness and this darkness, revenge, getting back. But he said, no, something had happened to these people, and they realized that that never is going to solve things. Something, the light, God, who is part of our DNA because we are made in him, will work in our hearts if we will allow him. We may first meet Jesus at Christmas as a dependent baby like we were. And as we look at that, we go, how did God come into the world as a dependent baby? But that's how we came, and it's like this little light in the darkness. Even a candle in pitch black darkness, you can see it because it's the only little flicker of light. And that's how Jesus came in. It was this dark world. The Romans were dark people. What was going on in the world in that first century was very dark, but Jesus came in as this just light of a candle flickering to bring hope. But then we have to move on from Jesus being born in that little bit of light. And there we meet him as he teaches about this thing called God's kingdom and God's righteousness that we are to seek in our lives first, not the world, but his kingdom. A welcoming, illuminating light that welcomes us in. It's bright. It tells us, come in here, come out of the darkness, come around this. And then we must meet the Jesus as the crucified Lamb of God who takes away not only the sins of, of mine, but of all of humanity's sin. That's what we have to go to next. And this seemed to look when Jesus went to the cross as if the light was completely going out. Wait a minute, you brought all this light into the world, Jesus. You showed us the way through your teaching and through your miracles. And now you're letting them kill you. How is that going to bring light into the darkness? And there was darkness for three days, wasn't there? I guess he wasn't the Savior. I guess he wasn't the one that was going to stop all of this. But ultimately, on that third day, we meet Jesus as our resurrected Lord. And that brightness that comes, he defeated death. What we're most afraid of, death and separation forever, the darkness of that, he illuminated and said, you don't have to be afraid of that anymore. That's why I came into the world. Now the light of our resurrected Lord has fully exposed and illuminated Satan's lies and deceptions and has restored us to our creator that we need desperately. And that's what Advent is all about. So we're taking this temporary journey on earth, believing and embracing what Jesus said at his ascension. Do you remember what Jesus said right before he left this earth? He said, what? Go and make disciples. And then this is what he said, and please don't forget this today. I am with you, what? Always. I am always with you. Always. That means always. He's with us right now. He's here when we leave. He's here at work. He's here at school. He's here in our rooms. He's with us when we're on the computer. He's with us when we're on our phones. He is always with us. He promised that. And if we really believe that Jesus is with us always, your life and my life will show that. We can't just have this sentimental sweetness. Oh, sweet baby Jesus, isn't that sweet? And then we walk away and pretend he wasn't real and he didn't grow up to be a man and save us. He was real and he went through an awful suffering for us, but he resurrected from that to restore us. We will journey through our life reflecting that Jesus is really with us, allowing God to let us share that good news that this is not all there is. There's something beyond this. Good news of salvation that we will meet people along our way that we can share that with and tell them about the hope that is within us. And we should certainly have that. So the question I have for myself and for you this morning is this. During this Advent season, during this Christmas season, what do you, what do I 
need to do in our life? What do we need to change in our lives to get us to actually live like we believe that Jesus is with us always? Because we get distracted, don't we? That's why Christmas is important, to go back to the beginning. We get distracted. What needs to change in our lives to get us to focus our time and attention, not on these things that are fleeting and that won't last, but things that really matter? Do you all struggle with that? I do. How do I get my kids to really know? I was, and I know my girls hate when I use them as illustrations, but they're there, you know? I mean, it's just they're there. But we were talking about Jesus, and I was saying, hey, you know, I'm doing sermons and uh, on Christmas, and, you know, every year I do it, I go, man, how am I going to make it? What is, what is going to be different this year? you got to tell the same story. But I'm amazed. So one of my daughters was sharing with me something that another church did. And as she showed me part of the, the YouTube video, I was going, I can't believe these people are doing this. I'm not going to tell you exactly what they did. But what they did on stage at this church was so unbiblical. They took a political issue and they manipulated it into the Christmas story that had nothing to do. And I, and I had to kind of back her and say, let's, let's back up a little bit. I don't want to just be critical of what they're doing. But does the, does the story here in the gospel say what they're saying? Well, no, actually, it really doesn't. But that's what they're portraying. Over a political issue, they're trying to make that on stage and make that part of the gospel message. Y'all, we have to be aware of that. We need to go back to the Bible and say, what really was said in the Bible? What did Jesus really say? What was really a part of his birth? We have to know that. And when somebody says something like that and we go, is that right? We have to be able to look at Scripture and be able to say, no, that's not right, or absolutely that's right. That's what I believe. But when we don't know and we just go, well, hey, I can look at a YouTube video, and I guess that's right, that's cool, and we scroll to the next thing, and we just start filling our heads with this stuff, and guess what? We forget that Jesus is right there beside us, and he wants to help us manage and know what the truth is. And he tells us, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. And we need that at Christmas time to know what freedom truly is. Not all these things at the world, and I'm going, ah, I'm going crazy because I don't know what the truth is. No, Jesus made it very clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So that's our gift at Christmas. That's our gift. And don't forget you have an ultimate destination. And it's a great, it's greater than we could ever know. Yeah, you can read about it and it's fantastic, but it's only a description of how great it's really going to be. So, so grasp hold of that. Embrace that at Christmas time. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure about your ultimate destination. You can be sure today by naming Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. And we're going to give you that opportunity this morning. Maybe there's somebody here today that needs to do that. And we're a church that believes that Jesus did come. He is the Savior of the world, and only through Him do we have salvation. So maybe if you're looking for a church like that, we invite you as well. Well, Kevin's going to play a song for us. We're going to sing. We're going to prepare our hearts for communion. If you're a guest here today, we take communion together as a body every Sunday to remember that new covenant in His blood, and we're going to do that in a minute after we sing this song. But if you're a guest with us today, and you're a believer, we invite you to be a part of that. You don't have to be a member of our church. If you're not comfortable, that's okay. But we're going to stand right now, and if you have a decision to make about your eternal destination, I would love to be a part of walking you through that if you need to do that this morning. Otherwise,